day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor. Welcome to our program today, coming to you from northwest Sydney, and we have had a string of absolutely stunning, beautiful days over the last couple of weeks, Hunty. That's welcome. true. Hey, mate, it's good to be here. Actually, I'm hoping we get a bit of rain. Uh, it's forecast for tomorrow. Yeah, but it was forecast for it was forecast Saturday, for Saturday, Saturday too. too yes. In fact, uh, I, I, we had a church picnic, you'll remember, and yep. we had it all planned out because we were locked down. We were. We weren't allowed to worship. Well, uh, well, in the end, we actually were, weren't we? True. Because true, the government true, released. True. But, but we cancelled it because it said a 90% chance of rain. I woke up on Sabbath morning, Saturday morning. I looked out the window. Not a cloud in the sky. And I think the entire day we never saw a single right. cloud. But the thing is that the moment it's not real hot is it no, it's beautiful beautiful weather yeah 22 23 degrees yeah it is and night times are quite cool yep and so we are just going going through what i would call the most beautiful spring weather it's a good time of the year isn't it it is i love spring and autumn mm. not too hot not too cold i wish it was like that all the time good filming days yeah, if we were to get out and do some work, I think we're going to head out for the first time in... 100 plus days. Well, six months probably, really. Yep. yep. We're about to head out tomorrow on on outside, on site, filming all over Sydney for a program that we're getting together, I think, for Channel 7. Is that right, Hunty? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So that should be exciting. We'll both get on our motorcycles. You on your great big fat Harley. <laughs> and me on my sleek, uh, my comfortable leather cruising lounge chair. Yes. <laughs> and me on my sleek, maneuverable, uh, very exciting BMW. Hey, you know what? We got a great program. Before you today. even go there. <laughs> How big is that Harley of yours? It's got a bigger engine than my wife's Fiat. So what is it? Seriously, what sort? 1500. 1500. Is it a noisy Harley? That's the idea. <laughs> Why did you buy a Harley? Well, it's apparently the most efficient way to convert cash into noise. <laughs> I quite like that. I think that might be... <laughs> Ask me why I bought a BMW. Uh, why did you buy a BMW? Because it's a... You know, I've been riding motorcycles since I was probably... Uh, the first time I really remember riding a motorcycle hard, I would have been 11 or 12. And my dad had a mini bike called Bluey, and I used to get on that thing, and I used to scream it around the school. Man, I'm glad I didn't hit that. This is after school. We lived next door to the school, and I'd get on this thing and really hammer it. So I've been riding bikes for a long time. This is the best handling bike I've ever had, too. But it's not a new one. Mine's 2010. I think yours is... Um, 04 Five. Oh, is it really? It's quite old. Is it that? And yet, your bike and the new ones look pretty much exactly the same. That's right. Okay. Yeah, so tomorrow, yeah. we get on those motorcycles. We're very we're old men now, so yeah, we need to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe we should put the training wheels back on. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have very well. Hunty ends up being a significantly more careful rider than me. Actually, <laughs> the times we've been together riding. How long we've we been riding together now? Oh, you ten years. Long time. Yep. I don't think we've ever had a single incident with you. We've not hit together. But we've had at least half a dozen or more with me, um, which is not good. So I'll be careful tomorrow. Hunty, Very good. let's go to what's on today. Okay, we've got a great program lined up, our favourite segments with Harold Harker, and we've got Ask the Aussie Pastor, and a special guest today, his name's Dennis Perry, and he has a project he's going to share with us which will blow your mind. Actually, he 
is one of the most amazing people I think I've ever met. Yeah, me too. Quite unassuming, yep. humble. Yep. And it has this, I, I think, could you call it a ministry? It's a ministry. It is just unbelievable. Yes. It'll blow your socks you off. You don't want to miss his segment. When you hear his story, that's for sure. So yes. welcome. Yes. We're glad you're here today. But you know what? Most of all, we hope and pray you see Jesus. Actually, yeah. I was just thinking before we head off to the new segment, let me promote Ask the Aussie Pastor. Oh, okay. Because there's still time to get your questions in if you'd like to send us some questions. What sort of questions could they send in? Well, we'd prefer any question from the Bible or God or Christianity, but you can ask any question you like. But we're our program is generating, looking for Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take anything, though, won't we? We will, yes. We'll have a go. And here's the deal. If you send a question in, we will ask you. Uh, we will answer it. <laughs> That's right. Hunty, Hunty, so we before be... we even go there, yes. see, I'm getting a little bit confused here. Yeah. Um, can you say the number off by heart yet that they are yes, to text to? I absolutely don't look can. Up, don't look at that screen. Okay, that, that's zero testing four listeners. double eight. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> eight eight zero eight five one. <laughs> he just so you all know, he was looking at the a, screen. I had to sneak. He had two peeps, <laughs> so that doesn't count. I give us to, give us the text number I, again. Okay, so you can send your SMSs or your texts to zero four double eight. Double eight zero eight five one, or you can email your questions to us, and the address is info at aussiepastor.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Let me say it again. We are glad you are here today with us listeners, and we hope, Hunty and I, that you will just see a little glimpse of how beautiful Jesus is. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. How many shows have we done now, Hunty? This is program number 31. <laughs> it's taken us 31 <laughs> programs to learn the text the number. number. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm not even confident yet. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. That's it. You did it. Mm, well done. There. And that was without peeping. So I'm going to take the, the championship. The <laughs> yes, of being the guy who got that first without looking. Love it. Ah, dear. The news. Remember what we said last week? We'd have one good news yes, story. And we do today. We are, but we're going to end with it. Yeah, it's a good plan. So let's ha- have the other stuff first. Have you been reading the paper? That, well, you don't read the paper. Watch no, it. I'm a TV watcher. Yeah, but have you been watching or are you yes. having a bit of a break? Because what about when you're on holidays? Did you keep up or did you get away from the world? No, I, stop? I had to keep but I was locked in my house without the TV. I had no window. Oh, okay. So you did keep. So okay. Yeah. Did you up. Did you see that news article about the Great Resignation, where they're saying that up to fifty five percent of Aussies possibly could leave their job because they're unsatisfied, unhappy, and feel unappreciated? I did see this story, and it kind of blew me away. I didn't expect to be reading a story about so many people being unhappy at work. Do you think it's got something to do with the uh, COVID um, lockdowns and all the rest of it, though? You know, when you're working from home, I've watched my wife working from home. I don't think it's changed all that much how you and I work, a little bit, but not a lot. We still were maintaining pretty much regularly the, the workload we always yep. do. Yep. Um, maybe a bit more because we had to get church and that yep. ready. Yep. But I watched her from home. She's doing a lot more hours than she ever was in the office. Interesting. Do you think? Do you think that's what's happening? If people they end up doing more hours and they feel less satisfied. Mm. Totally well, agree. Plus, plus, I've also noticed, and for those of you who are old enough to remember working prior to mobile phones, when I added a mobile phone to my regular day, I went, "Wow, I saved at least an hour today, making calls in the car and doing work on the run." Well, where did that hour go? 
Well, you probably didn't save an hour. You probably were just making more calls and doing more work. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what what's happens is technology. And in fact, a guy was talking to me the other day about how he were, he went on a technology technology fast holiday yes yeah, he only did it for 36 hours he said it was so hard but it was such a blessing and, and i just wonder do you, you know i think it's possible that people are just feeling the pressure they can't even now escape to their home from work well to protect myself i actually have my phone blocked so i never have to see a facebook message and i never have to see an email and i never have to see um, a chime from my phone between 11 and 8. Did you hear my phone going off then? I heard your phone now How does that off. work when I've got the phone on silent? No, it's not on silent. It is on silent. Check. I'll check. <laughs> Let's argue on air. Hang on a sec. <laughs> it's on silent, bro. It is now. It was. Okay, uh, there we're, you go. We're arguing on air. I'm telling your listeners it was, <laughs> unless it's broken. My job, my job's to nod and agree. However, anyway... Back to our news story. <laughs> <laughs> You've forgotten what it was. No, I, I, I was done. I was just, I just think maybe what's happening for people is they're getting. Unfortunately, they're they're at they're at home. They can't escape their work. It's just overloading them, and they want to get out. Yes, and these are people who want to get out, and they're under a lot of pressure financially too. Yep. some of them in very big loans. What about this other one? Catastrophic shortages looming. This particular article was about the aluminium mm, and they, the fact that China. China produces, what, 80% of our aluminium? Magnesium, yeah. What's the difference? Magnesium is an ingredient that they mix with aluminium to make, like, car engines and and cast items. I think you find it's it's China who makes the aluminium, too. They do. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. And and once you... you, uh, And what they're saying is, for for different reasons, uh, the entire supply chain has collapsed. Yes. And, of course, that impacts cars. And I mean, what sort of things do we use magnesium, aluminium for? Oh, everything. Cars, planes. Any any piece of electronics has got a chassis, like a computer, a phone, cars, got computers, all all of our food processes. Every device that's electronic usually has a cast chassis in it. And why why is this supply chain problem? Well, because it's not just aluminium and magnesium. mm, It's right mm. across the boards where you're seeing in England now and, and the United States of America and even to an extent here in Australia, our... Our um, shelves in shopping centres a lot emptier than they ever were. In fact, in Britain and in, in, in America, those shelves are empty. We, we had problems in Australia because we had so many people home isolating that our supply chains got interrupted. No, I that think was, that's happened over that there was due too. To COVID. Uh, England has a problem because they ran out of truck drivers. But the reason that Europe's running out of steel is because China's running out of electricity because they're running out of coal, and they've been running out of coal since they refused to buy ours. So maybe buy more Australian there coal. There you go. <laughs> you know what I think is scary in this one? That's it. And this is really end-time apocalyptic sort of stuff, is the fact that it's causing inflation to spike. Yes. And now you're, talk- now you're hearing from some, some of the accountants and, and some of the guys out there who are following the markets, etc. they're starting, starting to threaten hyperinflation. Mm. Now, hyperinflation is what caused the Great Depression yes. back in the 1920s. And that's where one day a loaf of bread – do you know how much – by the way, do you know how much a loaf – if you're a politician and I asked you, could you tell me how much a loaf of bread is? I, can, I could. I can tell you how much the expensive yuppie bread that I buy costs. $5? Yeah, I get uh, – Whole grain with soy and linseed. Yeah, yeah. and the cheap one's about a dollar fifty yeah, or something. Yeah, bucks. Yep. We yep. could answer. We could answer that. Yeah, we could. Um, and and what's happening is you, you pay a dollar fifty to five dollars for a loaf of bread one day, mm. and then a few days later you pay ten dollars, and then a few days later a hundred, 
and then 500 until you get like Venezuela where you're paying thousands of dollars mm. for, for an apple. Yeah. And, and things just get out of control and yep. society just collapses. Yep, yep. The next one, Hunty. The good news story. <coughs> you went a bit early I and did I'm coughing. I did go a bit early. Yeah, the Baldwin shooting. I wanted, oh, I wanted to ask yes, you specifically yes. about this one because you are a... Um, you are a, a licensed security guard. You are licensed to have a gun. Firearms, you know guns yeah. very yep. well. Yep. Well, firearms very well. What happened? Okay, well, it's an absolute tragedy what happened in the US. And before I describe what happened in the US, I'll just let our listeners know that in Australia, it's law that we have a fully qualified armourer on every set where our life guns to be handled. Even a prop gun requires an armourer in this country. So we have a couple of levels of protection that are significantly more stringent than the US. But unfortunately, what happened in the US, the prop gun handler had put the wrong ammunition, the wrong, the wrong rounds How into the handgun. How did you do that, Andrew? And then they gave it to an assistant who gave it to the head actor, Alec Baldwin, who was rehearsing the scene in the church. He said, I'll pull the gun out, I'll aim it, and then I'll fire it like this. And the pre- director was standing in front of him, and he winged the director on the shoulder, and he hit the young lady, the cameraman, in the stomach and through her spine. And sadly, as she was falling, she cried out, I can't feel my legs. And then moments later, um, it was fatality. Very, very sad. And it didn't have to be. Unfortunately, it's a mistake that will, will haunt Alec Baldwin, the, the gun handler and the assistant that handed the gun across and said this is a cold gun, meaning the rounds in it aren't dangerous. Apparently... Um they had been using the gun to muck around with live rounds, and when they brought it back in, apparently somehow it got okay. mixed up, and mm. just a terrible, terrible tragedy. It just goes to show you how in this world life is so fleeting and we are so vulnerable, and it can be there one minute. Because yep. you never imagine yep. in a million years that could happen, would you? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm absolutely 100% so cautious when handling a gun. I will never... Pointed at anybody, even even walking along with it, even mm. holding it in my hands, I'll never ever, even if my hands not on the trigger, I'll never allow the barrel to be pointed. Whether at you anyone. think it's empty or loaded, whether it's empty or loaded, yeah, that's yeah. just one of the rules you have to abide by. I mean, when you see these things happening, it and you see these tragedies, you see these tragedies, it, it just reminds you that things are not going real well out there in our world. Mm, we are true. we are in a place where. It, it could be very. We could very easily tip over the edge and see the the end, really, of our planet and Jesus' return. I did promise one good news story, Hunty. You did. There was this one about. Do you like, do you like blueberries? I do. I actually have them in my porridge for breakfast every single morning. Okay. I'm currently eating frozen ones, so I'm looking forward to fresh ones again. Oh, okay. You don't unfreeze them before you eat them. I microwave them and then I throw them in my porridge. Well, it seems to me that right now they're harvesting the blueberry crop and they're under a lot of pressure here's the good news story they thought they're gonna they lost the crop last year a lot of farmers they thought they're gonna lose it this year do you know why they lose these crops yeah sadly at the moment they had a hard time finding uh workers skilled workers who are able to pick and harvest the crop yeah so what did they do well we they were very blessed they have managed to import some of the pacific islanders yeah from out close to our country Yep. Who have the skills and are happy to come and work for the for the money that's Spe- on offer? Specifically, the Solomon Islands and New Caledonia and mm-hmm. those sorts of places. Yep. You know what I liked about this story? What's that? The farmer said these guys are the most fabulous workers. Yes, 
They are fantastic. We tell them what to do. Yep. They go do it. No go do it. They work hard. Yep. They work fast. And they're bringing in a bumper crop. And I think that in the midst of a world where everything is bad, yep. that's a good news story that and, we can and you thank know what? God it's, for. It's even a blessing for them too because when they take home the Aussie dollars, that actually buys five of their dollars. Yeah, yeah. So they're actually earning money at five times the rate they would if they were at home. They're doing very well. Yeah. And we're being blessed by them and they're good guys. So there you go. That's, that's the news for today. And it yep. always reminds us that the signs tell us soon Jesus will come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Oh, having a real problem with my voice all the way through that. Can I you noticed. hear I me noticed. coughing and sorry about that out there, guys. <laughs> Sometimes it gets like this with me, doesn't it? This is a good song, this one, by the Maranatha Singers. I like it. I've been singing it since I was a kid, hunty. Mm, me too. I think I might have been singing it to these guys <laughs> too. Have they been around for a while, the Maranatha Singers? Or Yeah, he has made me glad. I think you'll like this one.
Jesus, Jesus does make you glad, doesn't he? Yes. He's a wonderful, wonderful saviour and a, a wonderful God to have in your life. I uh, want to welcome to our program today a friend of mine for many years now, Dennis Perry. Are you there, Dennis? Yes, thanks, Lloyd. Good afternoon, Lloyd. Yeah. G'day, mate. Welcome to our program. We we do go back a, a fair few years now, you and I. I. I reckon the best part of 20. Now you're making me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> I, can make, I can make you feel older. <laughs> I remember when you started... Australia's first Christian CB radio club. I did. Now you're now you're aging me, Hunty. I know, right? Yeah, what? absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Were you in that club, Hunty? Well, I sure was with my dad. Yeah. The Triple Alpha Club. Triple Alpha Amnesty Airwaves of Australia. That's it. Nineteen seventy-eight or nine was it? Yeah, seventy-eight. There you go. <laughs> at my age, at my age group now. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the reason we actually all know each other is because we all were at one stage or another at Warunga Adventist Church. That's your, that's the church you grew up in. Is that right, Hunty? Indeed. And how long have you been? Are you still there, Dennis, at Warunga? I, I am, yes. How long yep. have you been there for? A long time. Well, a long, long time, yeah, a number of years now. <laughs> He's not going to, you can't remember or you don't want to reveal. Giving <laughs> yeah, a senior moment. <laughs> okay. Look, the reason I, I, I brought you on is because you have an amazing story and I'm a little bit daunted because I don't think we have enough time to unpack the wonderful things God has done for you. Mm. So even before we start this interview, I want to ask you, can we get you on again? I'll be I'll be honoured. Thank you for the invitation yeah. at any time. Because there'll be more we want to know. But just some simple Background facts about you, Dennis. Where were you born? Well, I was born in Adelaide. Okay. So how did you end up in Sydney? Well, folks moved over um, when I was a youngster, about about two or three, uh, to Sydney, uh, where the, my father wanted to get into business with, uh, with mum. Uh, so in the early years, we lived in the western suburbs of Sydney, and I was, I've been pretty well anchored down in Sydney uh, since that time. So really, we could say you're a Sydney boy. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, you did your schooling here. You ended up working for a company, actually, which is dear to my heart, yeah. Sanitarium. When did you, can you remember when you started working for Sanitarium? Well, look, it's got to be back in the early 70s, Lloyd, um, where I always wanted to work for a company that, that, um, that, uh, that God was involved in. Yep. And, and uh, Sanitarium was a natural choice, and it was through a series of events that God brought, brought me to Sanitarium. And uh, and uh, so went to sanitarium, started off as a, a storeman there, Lloyd. Just for our listeners who might not know, although most should, uh, but you never know, who is sanitarium? Yeah, well, they pioneered breakfast cereals back in for over 100 years ago. We're all Whippix kids, aren't we, after all? Yeah, I am. I'm still, I'm, I'm still eating them, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they pioneered the development of soy long before it became trendy. Yep. And they're still promoting the, the benefit of eating plant-based foods today and, and uh, developing that area. It's a, a, a company that not, not only has held true to its promise of producing healthy foods that not only should taste good but be good for you. I remember when they used to say that. These are the guys who make our wheat picks. They make our so good. <sighs> for me, I remember things, and our listeners, many of them might not know what this is, but nut meat yeah. and nuttoline yep. and... Uh, Tender bits. Oh, we can. Oh, my mouth's watering. I better stop doing that. So, you worked for Sanitarium for the best part of 30, 40 years. Um, you moved up into the company into higher management. That's correct, isn't it? That's correct, yes. And you used yes. to travel a bit 
with your work. Is that right? Yeah, the, the company you transferred Marge and I to New Zealand, to the UK, I uh, lived in uh, the church, called me to um, to Thailand for a time to help the health food work of the church. Mm. Uh, so, yes, I've been um, working for the church, working for God for over 36 years. Well, uh, well for those who, just for, again, for those who are listening so you know, Sanitarium is actually owned by the, by the Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist yeah. Church. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah. You, you ended up in P&G. Were you visiting or, or how did that unfold? Well, part of my responsibilities at that time that uh, was appointed to me was being the sales and marketing manager and business development manager of all the islands in the South Pacific for the company in Southeast Asia. And uh, through the travels, uh, I... Uh, I, uh, one of those ports of call and uh, countries I cared for included Papua New Guinea. But my association with uh, Papua New Guinea started really back in Tonga, and uh, which was the real story behind our starting the work of Operation Food for Life in Papua New Guinea. Because that's where we want to go. You have this special life calling to a yep. program called Operation Food for Life. So let's go there. Operation Food for Life, will you want to take us back to Tonga? Let, let's hear that story. Yeah, look, I was on a business trip in Tonga back in the early 1990s, uh, Lloyd, when I saw a community living on a garbage dump with about 100 families. And uh, I'd, I'd seen people, uh, photographs of people in poverty, but never seen personally. And I drove away uh, from that situation. It was pretty confronting. Mm-hmm. But that afternoon I went back and looked at these people foraging for food, families, mum and dad, on a garbage dump. And I said to God, what are you doing about this? And God said, Dennis, I am doing something. I am doing something about this. That's why you're here. Get out of the car and go and feed these people. Now, I'd heard about the the people living in poverty before, but I never expected they'd be called from sitting in the comfort of a church pew to going and feeding people on a garbage dump. And so that's what I did. I spent three weeks over there with a relationship, feeding and clothing this community. Where did you go? Where did you go get the food, and, and who paid for it? Yeah, I paid for all the food, and I went to the local supermarket, bought all the food I, I could. I was their best customer for three weeks. Yep, yep. And I took the food around to them. Uh, uh, look, their, their, their supermarket was a garbage dump. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody deserves to live like that. Yeah. But unbeknownst to me at that stage, that uh, three weeks was only at the beginning of a higher calling, Lord, uh, a Lloyd. How, how, did it, how did the people respond to you that first time when you took food that you went and bought in the supermarket to them and they're living on, and they're living on a garbage dump? Yeah. They got, a, they got a shock because, first of all, it's a white person. Yep. I didn't expect to see a white person do that. Yep. This garbage dump is on, was on a main street, a main thoroughfare. People walked past, just like a good Samaritan. Yep. They could see the evidence but could do nothing about the evidence. Yep, yep. So I decided I'd cross the street and go in, and, and I was in the shirt and tie onto the garbage dump. It was raining. Yep, yep. And, and they received me very, very warmly, uh, stunned. And I, I just said, I come in the name of Jesus. What are your needs? What help are you getting? Yep. And I said, we get no help from anybody. I said, well, God has sent me here to change that. Yeah, fantastic. So you fed them for three weeks. You go home. You start to think there might be a need out there for this sort yeah. of work. Yeah. I, I thought my calling was uh, while I was with sanitarium, and I did, yep. wherever I went into poor countries to feed the poor. And I, I did that faithfully with sanitarium support. 
but I wasn't prepared for the higher calling when I retired from the company. In fact, I didn't retire, I refired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That God would call myself and David Woolley, my colleague from Sanitarium, yep. to take this on as a full-time project. Yep. But above all, he said, it's not just going to... God made it very clear to me. He said, Dennis, your calling is not just the rubbish dump. I'm going to give you a calling that's going to mean much more to me and much more to those who serve. And it's Matthew 25, verse 35 and 36. He said, Dennis, your calling is for I was hungry and you fed me. Go and feed the poor. Go into the prisons. I was sick and, sick and you visited me. Go into, into hospitals. I was in prison and you visited me. So and, and and I was a stranger, and you came to me. So you took Matthew. Before. You took Matthew five very seriously. And, uh, it's our calling, it's our mandate, and and we have to live it, and we've got to do it every day. So let me get this right. When you would travel around, let's <clears throat> just before you retire. So when yep. you would travel around, you'd go to a country that was poor, yep. and while you were there, yep. you would provide food for a group of people that you could find that needed help. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely, with sanitarium, so it would give me all the food that I needed. These yep. would be displaced, displaced people in yep. Fiji. They would be people living in swamps yep. in Fiji. Yep. They'd be people in the Cook Islands. They'd be people in Papua New Guinea. Yep. So uh, I've lived a life of, 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 of service to the poor. Okay. So when you would leave, though, yep. they would have to go back to how they'd normally live, on the dump or wherever it was. Is that right? Yeah, unfortunately. However, there are some people that I got I I got to help me while I was there. Local people. Yep. And even today, I've got friends in Fiji now continue to do their work independently, inspired from what I did. So you you started it and they took it on. Absolutely, yeah. But the ministry and and this work did grow to more than just you turning up and while you're there feeding them, didn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I I spoke to a pastor uh, of our church on on on. On uh, Skype the other day, he said, Dennis, he said, I retired a, a few years ago and I'm doing, I was so inspired being a pastor of the church that I'm now doing this full time myself. He's feeding the poor. He's feeding the poor. And, and, and listen, he's feeding them wheat bicks. Yep. Nothing wrong yeah. with wheat bicks. And, and getting support from Sanitarium because of the legacy that I left within that company. So what happens in New Guinea now? Is that where primarily most of your work is? It's, it's all there. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about at the stage that I went over there and started this in, in Papua New Guinea in the early 2000s uh, with David. There was not 100 people living on a garbage dump. We're talking about thousands. Okay. We are talking about thousands. So you, you go to the local rubbish dump, say, around Port Moresby, and there'd be just thousands of people living on there trying to yep. eat and trying to find things that, what, they can sell or that they mm. can use for life? Yes, that's correct, yeah. And, and, and look, in Papua New Guinea, uh, 40% of the population live below the poverty line in Papua yeah, New Guinea. Yeah, And, and, and they're so displaced and, uh, and there's no jobs. The only way that it can, can live is going to a garbage dump in an endeavour to survive. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, we were the only people on the rubbish dump and in those days and still are yep. that were going onto the rubbish dump continually to feed and clothe these people, take medical teams into them. But above all, we, we show the love of Christ in a very practical and meaningful way to them. So you'd be feeding them, you'd be taking medical teams into them. 
Did did, did you ever get to a place in your ministry where after you left you could continue this in PNG or is it still at a stage more where when you go in it happens but when you leave it it's kind of, where where are we up to there? Yeah, look, uh, in the early early 2000s uh, I was able to get a a local uh, team, a volunteer team who will continue that work while I was doing my work in Korea. Yep. So that's been a full-time job as all volunteers None of us are paid. We get no government support, no corporate support, no business support, but we get God's support, and that's all that matters. So we have a full-time team, 24-7, doing the ministry of Operation Food for Life in Port Moresby today and every day, 24-7. So you're feeding people 24-7, 365 days a year now? Absolutely, through through different programs that we now have, not just a rubbish dump, and we'll talk about that later. So... It isn't just feeding people that you do. Tell us a little bit more about what Food for Life does for the local people in Port Moresby and Papua New Guinea. Well, we had no, we had, we had no plans to, to get into education at all and was taken to an area where a, a chief wanted a school built to educate illiterate children uh, in his village um, and he said, look, uh, could you build us a school? And I learned a long time ago uh, then when God takes you to a person in need, he is using you to do something great for him that no one else can do. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I said, God, what have you brought me here for? I have got no education. He said, you do my will and leave the rest up to me. So we built a school in the jungle starting with 50 kids out mud from bush six years ago. They never knew Jesus. We were pioneering work for the church. The church had no representation in the area. We built a, church, we built a school for 50 kids, one teacher. Uh, Sorting witchcraft yep. was a religion. Yep, yep. That was six years ago. Today we, we, we make Satan is no longer welcome there. We, we have dominated the area with Christianity. We have six purpose-built classrooms, up to 300 children being wow. educated educated for eternity every day for the last six years. Praise the Lord. It is praise the Lord. Hey, um, uh, those kids, where do they come from? Uh, Neighbouring villages. Some walk 10 miles to and from school every day. Wow, wow. And yeah, they're, they're, they're poor kids. They're oh. poor kids. So many of them can't read or write. Look, many of them never known Jesus. I've never heard the word Jesus before. And we've got six Christian teachers and a chaplain in the school educating these kids. We've even got a vegetable garden, Lloyd, where we teach the kids how to grow vegetables so they have a life, a life school to take with them. So is this a primary school? Yeah, it is an early learning centre for kids just before school yep. and right through their primary education. So they have six years at our primary school and then graduate from there. Wow, it's fantastic, you know. Is there anything else you're doing up there? So you've, you, you're feeding people on the dumps still? Yeah. You've, yeah, got, this, you've got this school. Uh, what yeah. else are you doing? Look, we, we have a, a child rescue program, which we started six years ago. This, one, rich- this one makes me want to... I almost want to cry when I hear this one. Look, this, this wasn't planned by us. Yeah. Everything I'm talking about is planned by God. I'm only just a steward, and David yeah. is too. Yeah. Uh, and, and we started rescuing kids that have been violated, abused, unwanted, unloved. Some were description too too graphic to, to describe here. Yeah. Started picking up one, then two, then three, putting them into a lounge room at our director's home. 
six years ago, we, we've now got consistently 30 kids and youth that we are rescuing and have a purpose-built facility that we're caring for every physical, spiritual, emotional need these kids want. We take them to school, we bring them home home from school. Some have never been to school. We pay for all their school fees. We take them to church for Sabbath school. We enrol them in Pathfinders. We get them involved in church. We have worship every morning and every evening at the sanctuary. This is Their lives are being transformed from from their humble beginnings, from their, their trials, we want to graduate them to triumphs, from their scars to stars. Yeah. Also, we want to add these souls to the kingdom. And already over these years, a number of these youths have now been baptised into, into, into Christ. And follow Jesus. Absolutely. How, how many people do you think you've worked with over the years with Food for Life? Look, we, we have, in terms of volunteers, hundreds of volunteers, uh, and these are people from all walks of life uh, that have helped us in volunteering. Those that we've ministered to, many, many, many thousands. Yeah, yeah. But we must be walking advertisements for Jesus and proclaiming everywhere we go, Lord, the first thing we some say to everybody, we come in the name of Jesus. Yeah, very pow- Everything we it's do. very powerful to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Can I ask you this question, and, and it might be one you can't answer but, uh, because you may not know or you may have some idea, but where does the money come from? And I know you can say, well, it comes from God because mm. this sort of work does not happen without the Spirit of God leading it yeah. and fueling it. I think yeah. we know that. But where does the money come from? Look, uh, it, we've, we've never appealed for any money. We've never appealed for any help. We've never said so get no support. But but if it's God's will, he reminded me, if it's God's will, he will pay the bill. Yeah. And and I don't know, we don't know how we're going to get the next the, the next to, to be able to feed the kids at the sanctuary the next time. Yeah. But you see, that's not my problem, it's God's. Yeah. And yeah. God will bring us people to help us at the right time, the right place. So we have a very small base, very small of loyal donors that help us. We now are a registered Australian charity, praise God, yep. and that does help us uh, to, to, to pay the bills daily. Do you have any patrons? Yeah, we do. We have the Governor-General of Papua New Guinea, Grand Chief, uh, His Excellency Sir Bob Dayday, who's a Governor-General. Yep. A, and I meet with him, with David, when we go yep. across the yep. PNG, and we kneel in his room and have prayer together. Yep. And he visits the sanctuary and sees our work. In Australia, we have uh, Philip Ruddick, yes. who's the Australian patron for Operation Food for Will, Food for Life. He's well known for to most Australians. Uh, we have uh, Matt Keane is an ambassador for us. He's the current New South Wales treasurer. Yes, um, in the New South Wales State Parliament. We also have Julian Lisa, who who is a very well respected uh, member of uh, uh, federal member for Barara. Yeah. Uh, so th- those people, they they are very happy to stand up in Parliament. They're very happy to advocate for for our work wherever they go. Fabulous. Um, how do you see the future for Food for Life? Uh, through God's eyes. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah. Um, basically, it is this. Uh, I think education is going to be key to where we go go forward in the future. Yeah. Education can break the knowledge and poverty 
yes. of, the, of those. I think education will definitely play a very important part. I'd like to think we can build more classrooms and build a high school to yep. add to our primary school. Yep. Uh, we currently have a small classroom in a in a shanty town that we want to be looking at. We need a um, we need a kitchen and a a all purpose room at our sanctuary. We've got to get that done, and uh, we also need to um, uh, to have a, a boys' dormitory for the kids that we rescue. So. The future is I'll always look to the future through God's eyes, knowing the way that he's led us in the past. And I just can't wait because Operation Food for Life, O-double-F-L, stands for On on Fire for the Lord. Yep. Amen. And we're on fire. You are. You always have been. You've got plenty of spirit in you. Um, Last question. Um, and I do want to get you back on because I actually want to hear some real stories from Food for Life next time. Is yeah. that all right? Yeah, Some absolutely. stories. But I do have this last question today and we're, we're running out of time. But um, if I wanted to donate to this worthy cause, mm-hmm. how would I do that? Look, there's a number of ways you can do it. You go to our website, Operation Food for Life. The Operation web, website name is is, dub, uh, is O-double-F-L, that's Operation Food for Life, yep. .org.au. That has a donate button. Okay. You simply press donate and then it, and it will tell you various ways that you, yeah. can, you can donate online on a secure website. You can post a check or you yeah. can uh, make a donation in other ways. So uh, that's, and we will give you a tax deductible receipt. Maybe, Hunty, can you put up on our Aussie Pastor webpage the... Yeah, what a good idea. Yeah, yeah. the details there. And also, if you forget, you can always uh, you can always text us on our number and we'll put yeah. you in contact with Dennis. Yeah. yeah, we will. Yeah. Because we want to support this ministry and I want to get you back shortly, so not a long time, because yeah. I know you're a man on the move, especially now as things loosen up a bit. And I'd like, yeah. to, I'd like to come back and tell us two or three stories. Would you do that in the next few weeks? Happy to and uh, happy to and appreciate the opportunity. God bless you. You're doing a fabulous job. We love you and God loves you and you just <laughs> you stir us up. God bless. <laughs> All praise to God. Thank you for having yeah, me. Bye bye. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Well, that was a very inspiring interview. Very inspiring, yes. Yeah, he he is such a good man, so humble, and yet the story is so incredible. Incredible, and and I don't think we've we've got to the heart of it yet because you've actually got to hear some of the The, stories. The human stories are amazing. They are, and it's not just one or two. He actually has hundreds. As he said, they have reached thousands and thousands of people. And if you were a donor out there and you were looking for a cause you could give to that you know. Every cent goes to, and it goes straight onto the ground, That's helping right. these poor people in New Guinea. That's and it. and you and I have been there. We've seen this. We have. I've seen it. It's 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 very confronting. Mm. And of course, COVID up there is making it even worse at the moment. And, and if you had some extra dollars, I can say this, Auntie, pretty yeah. comfortably. Yep. Uh, his website would be a good place yep. to go. Operation Food for Life. Send. Them your help. Yeah, and, and it was a worthy cause. Okay, Hunty, our next song. What are we singing or what are it's we going to listen river. to? It's from Barbara Stride's End and it's called, its title is On Holy Ground.
beautiful song from a beautiful singer Indeed. with a beautiful voice. Yes. Oh, it's come that time, hunty. It uh, has. There, have we, did we get any questions in today? We did. Maybe one day we'll get none. Imagine that. <laughs> then I'd have to get you to ask the questions. <laughs> that actually would scare me. Uh, yeah, I, I think I could enjoy that. <laughs> okay, what All have right. you got, mate? So, first question, uh, we, we don't know who it's from, but the question is, is Jesus God or man? Oh, what a beautiful question. Yeah. And it is a good one, that one. Is Jesus God? Well, he is God. Well, Jesus is. Do you know the answer to this question? Well, when he came down to earth, was he God? Yes. Oh, definitely. When uh, Jesus was on the earth, that's why Thomas, in uh, I think it's John 20, falls onto his knees and cries out to him, My Lord and my God. That's why people worshipped him. You can't worship him if he's not God. I've got a follow up question. Yeah. So he lived a I wanted to swing life? that back on you. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Do you think Jesus is God or do you think he's human? Oh, I know Jesus is God. Is he human too? Well, I was going to say yes to that because when he was here on this earth, he was tempted by Satan. Can you be human and God? Uh, now you're the pastor. I'm going to sit back and These are good questions your answer that, on this. that people ask, actually. <laughs> what, what do you reckon? What's your view? Yes, I think, he, I think he could, have, he could easily have been. Well, you're yeah. on fire today, mate. Woo-hoo. He actually is human. And he is God. And it's kind of a mystery that we don't completely and totally understand. But I really like this concept and this idea. I like this question. Yeah, because you too. think of Jesus. When he went back to heaven, he was put up back up on the throne of God. Because when he came down here, he humbled himself and became a man. Yep. So he goes to the cross. He's resurrected. Uh, he ends back up in heaven. He's put back up on the throne in his rightful place as God. But he's still... Human. So what that means is, Hunty, if he's human, he's your brother. It means, follow this with me for a moment. Your brother sits on the throne of heaven. Yeah, it's pretty And amazing. rules the universe. Amazing. So if your brother is the king, what does it make you? I've got royal blood. You have. Yeah. You're part of the... That's what, that's what it means when Jesus says, hey, come join my family. I will make you a royal priesthood. It means I will make you royal and I will sh- get you priesthood they share to you know Christ to the world. Yep. That's the job of a priest. I'll make you a royal priesthood. You are part of my family and you'll share me with the rest of the world and invite the rest of the world to become part of my family too. So yeah, Jesus was God and Jesus was human. Very good. Both. All right, next question. <laughs> wow. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, that's another really good... We're on the Trinity, are we? It looks like it. <laughs> um, there are three persons who make up God or the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and that's Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is probably the one that we know the least amount about. But we know enough to know this, that he is the third person of the Godhead, that he works primarily here on earth. And you know that when you feel that, you go and listen to a good preacher, auntie. Like, uh, who's your favourite preacher? Oh, next to you? Oh, yeah, thanks, mate. You just got a pay rise. I like and yet I don't pay, I, I, I don't decide that. But. Probably one of my favourite preachers is a guy named John Carter. Okay, when you, or, or do you ever sit and listen to John Carter and your, your heart is moved to follow Jesus more intensely, more deeply, and with more passion, and with totally. more commitment, totally. and with more faithfulness? Totally. This man actually taught me what I know about God. Well, it wasn't him. No. Oh, I see what you're saying. It was the Holy Spirit using him. Right. 
And it's the Holy Spirit, the third person of God. You know, I said he works on earth. He works in our hearts. He works in our minds. He's the one who calls us to follow Jesus. He's the one who talks to us while we're on this earth. He gives us guidance. He gives us leading. He shows us the way. If you want to know one of the biggest problems in Christianity today, it's not enough people who call themselves followers and disciples of Jesus actually are born again, which means they have the Holy Spirit. So if you run around calling yourself a Christian, you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding, leading you, showing you the way, you can actually do a fair bit of damage. Mm. Do you know how to get the Holy Spirit into your life? Uh, you ask. That's it, simple, eh? Pray. So how would you do it? Tell me practically sim- how you would do it. A simple prayer. What would it be? Dear Lord, please send your Holy Spirit into my life, into my heart, to guide and lead me. And will he come? Always. With full power. And, bring and you peace. will recognize it almost immediately. Of course, of course. He'll start to talk to you. Yep. Telling you the way to go. Now you might not want to go the way he's telling you to go, and that—that's another story. I've experienced. I've experienced <laughs> both sides of this coin. <laughs> yeah. But to follow the Holy Spirit's guiding, leading, and prompting always is a good thing. Yep. So what a great question. Indeed. Who's the Holy Spirit? Quick answer. Here's God. There you go. This next question: um, Should Christians get into politics? Uh okay. As a Christian, I'm very careful with politics because I don't want to in any way. Uh, so if I, if I have a particular leaning towards a certain uh, side of politics, which I do, I don't want to make that too apparent because I don't want to let that get in the way of me being able to effectively share mm. Jesus with people who don't see mm. politics like I do. However, if you're a Christian and you feel a call to be a political leader and you truly are a Christian, why not? Why not? I, I, I don't know whether it's current, but the I know the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea was an Adventist Christian, yep. and yep. I think in the West Indies we've Still had a is, yep. couple of Prime Ministers over there. So if you can, I mean, Daniel was the Prime Minister of Babylon, and he worked effectively for God. So if you feel that calling and you can maintain, I mean, you can maintain your faithfulness to God, why not? Well, I think you and I are both part of a church that is apolitical, yeah, um, we, we're a church that that does try to avoid taking uh, stands politically. Politically, yeah, because we're trying to reach everybody. Mm. And you're welcome in our church. Whether you in Australia, we don't care if you vote Labor, Liberal, Greens, National. You can even vote Independent. Can you vote for Pauline Hanson? Yeah, if you want to. She's not vaccinated. <laughs> well, let me tell you, my our church. I was yep. going to say my church, but it's not my church. No, our, church our church, God's church. Yep. Uh, New Hope, we open this Sabbath, and you're welcome. That's right. At our church, whether you're vaccinated or, or not, labor or liberal, we don't mind. Come we don't care. You can even us. be a communist and come to That's our right. church. There you yep. go. So, the question was, um, can you be? A, what was it? Uh, let me just scroll back. Uh, should Christians get into politics? Oh, if God calls you, there you go. But 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 be very careful about yep. getting too political, especially if you're trying to share Christ. Last thing you want to do is ostracise a Labor or a Liberal voter because they see things politically different. Than That's you. right, exactly. Yeah. All right. This next question: Does God ever speak to you when you are praying? Um, God speaks to me every single day. Wow. But ninety nine, and I, I love this. There's, there's no weakness in this at all. Ninety nine point nine percent of what God how God speaks to me is in the Bible. You know the Bible says faith comes by. So faith is believing God's there. Yep. Faith, Romans 10, 17. Yep. Faith comes by hearing. hearing and hearing, so how do I hear God? Mm. Hearing comes by the word of God. Yep. But there have been a few times in my life, because I've got to recognize God's voice in the Bible, in my Bible study, I study, 
I can't remember the last day, and I'm not, I certainly don't build myself up on this. It's just a fact. I can't remember the last day in my life where I never opened the Bible. Wow. And so God, no, it's not even a wow. The Bible's just become such an intrinsic part of my life. I love it. I enjoy, and my, my wife too, she's a wonderful Bible student. Yes. She, um, is, yep. she really is. And, and she encourages me to stay in the Bible. Um, but there have been a few times, so, but I got to know God's voice in the Bible. That's my point here. Yep. And so when he does speak to me, the few times he has spoken to me, and he has, I think I shared last week one of the to- those times in the story yep. um, when I was in New Guinea, I've recognised his voice and I've acted on it, but not a whole lot, to be honest. So I'll take that as a yes. Yeah, but not a whole lot. Okay. Most of, Again, 99.999% of my hearing the voice of God is in the Bible, and it's as powerful as you and me talking here. No, it's more powerful, more powerful. than you and me yep. talking here. Yep. All right, next question. How could I feel forgiven by God when it doesn't feel like it? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Wow. Have you ever had that? You do. I well, have. Satan actually, Satan's specialty is to make you feel guilty for sins that you've been forgiven for. He brings up your past and he rubs it in, even though you've already been forgiven for it. Does guilt have a part in convicting you of sin? I wonder, probably. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But it can get out of control if you don't give it to Christ. That's right. And let him wear it. That's right. And that's what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, how, what was the question? How do I? How feel? can I feel forgiven by God when it doesn't feel like it? You know, I only have one answer to that. This is, I'm fair income. Spend more time with Christ. Yep. I, I can't say to you, "Oh, have faith, and you're going to feel forgiven," because you might not. But the more time you get to know, the more time you spend with Christ, the more you get to know Him, the more you get to see His nature, His personality, and what He's like. And your confidence then in your forgiveness is not in how you feel, but in what you meet in Jesus Christ. And it is truly, truly beautiful, Hunty. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So look, if you're not feeling forgiven, I get that. I've been there. I still experience that sometimes now, Hunty. Yep. If you're not feeling forgiven, and you've asked for forgiveness, first thing is believe, but the second thing is, and I think this is just as important, spend more time of Christ. Get into your Bible study. Get down on your knees and yep. pray. Churches all over Australia are open now this Sabbath. Go to church. Why? Because when you're in fellowship, worshipping God, you are spending time with Christ. Amen. And as you get to know him and you see him, you will be convicted. It's a cast-iron guarantee. Convicted that you're forgiven. Hey, can I just butt in here? Hey, Dennis, you still there? Yeah, yes, I'm here. Mate, in our our question line, I just got another question, but I also got a lovely statement. I'm going to read it to you. Mm -hmm. I love your show. Just so you know, Dennis... Just um, and even our listeners, people are writing into us. Yeah, live while we're live on air. while yeah. we're on air. Um, I love yeah. this show. Operation Food for Life is amazing. I did an offering of fifty dollars to it just then. Praise God for one obedient man, one obedient man with compassion. Stephanie Johnson from Wagga. Oh, thank you very much, Stephanie. God bless your heart. Indeed. Uh, you know, when you put that fifty dollars into God's hands, He will bless and multiply. So. Deeply humbled, deeply appreciated, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Yeah, I reckon. And the last question, Lloyd, and I think this is specifically for you. <laughs> what is hell Are like? Are you being rude? Yes. <laughs> it says, what is hell like? So I, I figured <laughs> this is my question for you. <laughs> well, I don't know because I haven't been there. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, look, the reality is, Hunty, um, uh, I, I can describe for you in one sentence what hell is like, and this is fair income. Yep. Hell is living life without Christ. Without Christ, exactly. 
That's hell. Separation from God. It's separation from God. Yep, totally. Um, as an Adventist, as a Christian, as a Bible believer, I don't believe in an eternal fiery hell. It's not in the Bible. But the idea, the concept of hell is without Christ. Yep. I think that's biblical. Yeah, I We agree. should do a Bible study on that. We should do we? a Bible study on hell. Mm, that'd be a good one. You know, the last time we did a Bible study on hell, we got banned by Facebook because they didn't like the word hell in our title. Oh, okay. Well, we won't <laughs> use it next time. It's not the only time we've been banned from Facebook. No. We're, we're, we're well and certainly... We're, we've got awards for being banned on Facebook. <laughs> if you preach and teach the gospel, the reality is Facebook doesn't overly like it. That's right. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. So... Let's wind up our question time. Shall I give the plug for the number again? Yeah, because keep those questions. These were good questions today. Hey, by the way, Hunty, before yep. you give the plug, we actually do a Ask Aussie Pasta, and we got it from the radio. Yeah, well, due to the success of our radio program, Ask the Aussie Pasta, we actually now do a TV program called Ask the Aussie Pasta. And I notice that half a dozen questions come in today for that program as well. We never answer them. No, we'll get we'll get to those. They only do the radio ones. Do the radio ones on the radio and the TV ones on the TV. So if if you want to ask a question, how do you do it, Hunter? Okay, it's simple. You can text your questions to us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email your questions to us in the email addresses info at aussiepasta.com. So here we are, ask the Aussie Pasta. Had a good time with with you guys today and those questions. They were were wonderful. They were good questions. Keep them rolling in. Yeah, can they, they can send them at any send time any during time. the week. We'll get them between now and the next. So if you're program. if you're a, if, if you're a, if, if you're listening to a repeat of this program, who cares? Send Doesn't matter. In. Send any questions. Yep. And I promise you this, Hunty. Yep. We will answer every single question that comes in, and some of them which are really quite hard and can't be answered in one-liners. We've got a new program that we we have. We've just started a new program where we can give on, long on, answers. On what? On Facebook. It's on, our, it's on our YouTube, social media, on, and Facebook. On our social media platforms. Yeah. And what's that called? You just go to the Aussie Pastor Facebook page or AussiePastor.com. For, uh, for our website, yep. or you can go to findjesus.tv. Either way, you'll end up at the same place. Just put Aussie Pasta in your search engine. That's and it. You'll find it. It'll come straight and, up. And what's the program called? Can you remember? Because I can. Yes. A short, short Bible study. <laughs> Very well. Yeah, you're on fire <laughs> on today, fire today man. Yeah. Um, and that, that is a TV program, but you can listen to it. That's right. Um, and, and we are, we are, uh, um, doing the Bible studies that come out of these questions that you're sending. That's right. If yes. we think they need more than just a, a, cu- a couple of minutes. Exactly. Hey, Hunty, love that today. Indeed. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This guy, Bill Gaither, and his trio, maybe I'm ageing myself here, Hunty, but I just love this Me music. Too. When love I first it. discovered Gaither, I reckon it must have been around 2000, but he's been around a lot earlier than that. I'm usually late to these sorts of things. If you don't know who Gaither is, what would he be? Probably the most famous, famous Christian singer in the world? Musician in the world. Well, yeah. at least to the baby boomers and those of us who tag on with the baby boomers. That's it. That's it. He goes on these cruises, you know, they have these concerts. He brings all <laughs> these, a, a, a number of music stars who you actually know. I know that. I was listening a, live today to Reggie and Lady Love Smith who were singing in a Gaither concert today. Actually, we know Reggie and Lady Loves Yeah, we me. do. We've Are we dropping names here, mate? Oh. Are we allowed to do that? It's our program. <laughs> Not the only ones. We know <laughs> Wintley Phipps. Yep. We know Ben Carson. Oh, Ben Carson doesn't sing, does he? Yep. We know the Heritage Singers. Yeah, we know. Well, Faith you, First. No, no, you know the Heritage Singers and you know Faith First. Hunty knows everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, this song, Bill Gaither and his trio, yep. um, it, it's, it's a beautiful song. Joy in the Camp, it's a happy song. And it's the sort of thing... It's the sort of experience you do have when you're doing the work that Dennis is doing. You know what, what the reward of that is? Jesus. Yes. 
Jesus around, presence of Jesus, you're doing his work, and it gives you joy, and that's what this song is about. For years I've traveled down the long and lonely road, sorrow and pain my heart to bear. But then I met the Christ who took my heavy load, and since then I was singing in the air. Sinner has come home, there's joy in the camp, rejoicing around the throne, singing and shouting the great redemption song, there's joy, wondrous joy in the camp. The angels in heaven are rejoicing around the throne, filling the lost with chords so grand. They're singing because of one lost sheep who's just come home. I know there must be joy in the camp. Oh, there's joy in the camp. A sinner has come home. There's joy in the camp. Rejoicing around the throne. Singing and shouting the great redemption song. Out of the darkness into the light. Out of the blindness to jubilant sight. Out of the sorrow to heaven so bright. There's joy. Let's go You like that, Hunty? What a ripper. Yeah. I wish I could say to you, repeat, let's listen to that again. <laughs> when I'm at home, I, I might have said this before, and I'm lying in bed and I'm listening to music and Lizzie's next to me, I drive her nuts. Because I'll listen to a song that I enjoy like that. I'll listen to it half a dozen, eight, oh, yeah. ten. I'll, I'll almost kill the song. Oh, I'll I'll create, I create earworms as well. Yeah, just listening, listening. And that's a beautiful song, that one. It is. Full of joy. It is. Harold Harker. Hi there, Lloyd. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you again. Yeah, it is. And this guy today we're talking about is, it's, he's just wonderful. This is the one Lord, of my heroes. The Lord has used people and he's used them in the past and he uses them now. What's his name? We would call him Andrew Karlstadt, but his real name, let me tell you, he even got five names. Andreas Rudolf Bodenstein von Karlstadt. Now he was born in Karlstadt, and is that why he's called? Is that why he's called Karlstadt? Because he was yes, born in Karlstadt. Because they advertise that I was born in Brisbane, but I, I don't put von Brisbane at the end of my name. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was born in Nara, Lloyd Nara. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> Harold Brisbane. No, doesn't sound right. Um, do we know when he was born, more or less? He was born in the late. Uh, 1470s to early 1480s, about the time Luther was born, just about then. These guys are contemporaries. Um, where was he educated and was he well educated? Yes, he was very well educated. He went and um, was educated firstly at Erfurt, and that's where Luther went into the monastery. Then he went to Cologne, the University of Cologne, and finally he finished up at Wittenberg, where Luther finished up. So this guy's a priest. Yes, but he was he was a do- doctor of theology and he got that from Wittenberg University. Okay, so he was Luther's equal easily when it comes to mind, is that correct? That's correct. In fact, Luther himself said, Karlstadt knows a lot more than I do. He's better educated than I am. He had a sharp mind, really sharp mind. A sharp mind, but let me tell you, he wasn't a sharp speaker. 
Ah, I didn't know that. What you're saying is a boring speaker or well, monotone? When there was a Cambridge theologian that when he heard uh, Carl Sapp speak, he called him um, er. Okay. And so he wasn't, a, he would wait time to think uh, and then it would come out. But he had a great mind nevertheless. Now, we know that Luther and Karlstad knew each other pretty early. What did Karlstad confer on Martin Luther? Well, Karlstadt became the Chancellor of the University of Wittenberg. And when Luther came there and he was sent to do his Doctor of Theology, Karlstadt is the guy that actually gives him the degree of Doctor of Theology. He yep. was in charge of the university. Yeah, they were kind of around the same age. You're right. Okay, so God's working in Martin Luther. We need to do Martin Luther, Harold. Right. I don't think we've done him yet, have we? It's a good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, maybe we do that in the next week or two because we can kind of marry it with this story. Sure. So Karlstad so is well thought of by Luther. He's in charge of the university. He goes to Rome. Um, what did he see in Rome and what was his response? And when I say he goes to Rome, I guess he went to visit Rome. Is that correct? Yes, well, he went there for a little while. Luther went there about 1510. Yep. And five years later... Karlstadt goes down there and he does some study there. He gets a law degree in both religious canon law and civil law at the university, so he gets more degrees when he goes to Rome. Is he sponsored by the church to do this? Yes, he was. So he was one of their their, their brightest. He was a very bright guy, but his trip to Rome didn't do him well for the church because he saw all the corruption there. And in fact, let me tell you, he wrote, you remember Luther wrote his 95 Thesis. Yes, yes. This guy put together 151. (laughs) And it was all against the indulgences that he saw in Rome. So already the Bible and the Protestant ethos is starting to work on his heart through the Holy Spirit. It is. Um. Okay, what was Karlstedt's initial response to Luther's doctrine of righteousness by faith? Well, having been brought up in the church, they had a lot of indulgences. People had to do things. We would call that works. And so to have justification by faith and do nothing didn't seem right to him. And so he opposed him, first of all. But a year later, he said, okay, Let's see, the scripture has it, so I now believe it. And within a year or two of that, he's a great proponent of justification by faith. Can you tell me what that actually means, justification by faith or righteousness by faith? Righteousness by faith, being justified is being made right with God and we just have to ask him, I believe on Jesus, he has died for me. And he doesn't ask me to do anything. I believe on him and I'm called his son or his daughter. And so I'm part of his family. It's, That's when I'm justified. It's, it's actually the doctrine that lit the Protestant world up. And it Correct. lit Martin Luther up. And Karlstad, as you're saying, initially opposes it, then becomes as great a proponent of it as Luther and perhaps even more passionate than Luther about it. Um, Correct. Okay, uh, why do you think 
righteousness by faith. I just want to ask one more question on the doctrine itself. Was such a threat and still is to Catholicism? Well, the church was built on indulgences. It was payment for everything to get your loved ones out of purgatory, to, to pay for things, and this would cut out all their income if you just get it without a cost by believing in Jesus. It is a beautiful doctrine. Hey, Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner. I ask, I repent. Forgive me, Lord, and will you save me? And he says, yeah, I'll save you. I'll do more than that. I'll go into the judgment in your place, and God will judge me instead of you, and you can come to heaven. Amen. It gives you great peace. It's such a beautiful... That's why I like these stories of these guys. Look, you you said Karlstad came across to Luther's doctrine on righteousness by faith. Was that exclusively through Bible study? Yes, well, he was noted for his... He would always say, but the Bible says... And he was a Bible student, and the supremacy of the Scriptures was the keystone of what he would want to believe in. Do you reckon he got that from Luther, or do you think he just, God and the Holy Spirit convicted him of it himself? Well, I think the Holy Spirit convicted him. He would take all Scripture. Luther wasn't too happy with the James and a couple of other things. Yeah. But he I'm going, to ask, I'm going to ask you about that when we do Martin Luther because he actually got some scissors and cut the book of James out of the Bible. That's right. Which is unfortunate because it actually is a beautiful book it full is. of the righteousness of Christ. Um, Carlstadt, yep. it's all scripture and it's all God-given. We're going to find out how much that really meant in just a minute. Um, tell us about the Leipzig debate and why did Luther end up calling Karlstad a new Judas? I kind of think this little part of the story is unfortunate. <laughs> well, um, Eck was the Catholic theologian, and he challenges Karlstad to come and have a debate with him in Leipzig. And uh, so Karlstad runs long, and he gets there. He starts the debate, and Luther says, this guy can't debate well. I'm going to crash the party and take over. And so Eck was there, and Karlstadt gets sidetracked while Luther is the main one who who debates with Eck. And uh, Karlstadt, he just says, this is Scripture, and I'm staying with Scripture. But then Luther didn't like him. Uh, taking over and everything, and he called him the new Judas because I guess it was the relationship, how they would relate to each other in this debate and whatnot. It was tense. It was. It would be fair to say that these two men of God... now, (laughs) Now, that's not unusual because I think Paul had issues with Barnabas and John Mark. Yes. In the gospel. So just because you follow God doesn't mean that you're going to get on with everybody else who does. And Harold, you have worked for the church, what, how many years? 50 plus years. Yeah. There are times when you work with the Lord and there are just men and women that try as you might, you're just not going to click with them. Correct. That's just how it is. It's all right when you're the president like Harold. Uh, <laughs> he was he was a big boss. <laughs> it's a bit different when you're the, the the little fellas like us. You've got to behave, haven't you, Auntie? Um, True. <laughs> um, now Luther was forced to go and hide at the castle Wartburg, uh, while Karlstad was in Wittenberg. Um, tell us what Karlstad was up to while Luther was off in his castle hiding. So so kind of Karlstad was still active. Luther was in his castle. What happened? 
Well, Luther was uh, was actually caught and put in this castle at Bartburg because it was for his own safety. But while he's there, Karlstadt's still back in Wittenberg and he wants to see the Reformation keep going. And so he's the only one in control of the Reformation movement back in Wittenberg. And so he writes against celibacy. He writes against the uh, monarchism of the church. He attacks the mass and young students start to write and he gives out the communion, which was never given like that, the bread and the wine to the laity. Images are knocked out of the churches and then he gets married and Luther comes back and wants to put order back into the church. And so there's a bit of to and froing again as soon as Luther comes back. Actually, the re- the reality is that Karlstad, God had taken Karlstad further along the journey into Protestantism than he had Luther at that time. Correct. In fact, I reckon it'd be fair to say Karlstad went a lot further than Luther ever did. Yes, he did. And there's a couple of reasons. Karlstad, even though he was the Chancellor of the University, he was one to take the message down to the peasants, to the lowest level, Luther stayed more with the princes and those who are in charge of the world. Mm. and uh, Well, God probably could have designed it like that, of course, too, because he, he needed to reach both groups. Sure. I mean, we needed Luther to talk to the elector of Saxony and others so that they could get the protection of the German princes against the papal armies. Sure. Yeah, so uh, they worked... Another it. aspect of Karlstadt... He was fairly impetuous. He would just jump into something. Luther was much more sedate and I'll do things properly. But if if Karlstadt thought something should be done, he would do it. Tell us about Karlstadt and the Sabbath. And this is probably my, you know, because I'm a Sabbath keeper myself, this is probably one of my favourite parts of his story. Well, Karlstadt, of course, it comes from the scripture. And the Bible says... The Bible says the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day. Until Luther gets sick of hearing Karlstadt talking about the Sabbath. And this is the words of Luther. Let me read them. If Karlstadt were to write further about the Sabbath, Sunday would have to give way. Wow. He was champion of the Sabbath. And uh, in the end, this is the point that Johannes Eck makes against Luther, if you take the Bible, then you can't worship on Sunday because the Bible says the seventh day is the Sabbath. I'm going and- to tell that story in a minute in our story time, Hunty. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I wanted to follow up with that amazing story of Luther Eck and Karlstad. Um, did Karlstad and Luther ever reconcile? Because Karlstad in the end ends up on the road fleeing, doesn't he? He becomes so yes, radical, so radical that even the German princes who were Protestant were struggling with him. Is that correct? Well, remember, when Karlstad was working with all the, the, the peasants and so on, they had peasants revolt. Mm. And Luther's with the princes who say, you shouldn't do that. Mm, mm. And, uh, but it's interesting one night when Karlstadt got married and he's being chased by these mobs, he knocks on Luther's door and Luther takes him in for a few days to protect him. So they did make it up 
But finally, in the end... Actually, Stad- just before you go, hold that finally for a moment. That yeah. was the very night. Karlstad knocks on Luther's door on the very night he got married to Maria, right. to Maria, I think it was. That's right. On that uh, very uh, night. Marina. Yeah, he, he... So it's his... In- <laughs> this guy waited a long time to get married. <laughs> he, he's with his wife for the first time, and Karlstad knocks on the door. Try, was Karlstad actually involved in the peasant revolts, or was it just because he was ministering to them and he got caught up with? Well, them? he was. He was. He was on the side of the peasants. Yep. Uh, he didn't like the authority coming down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he knocks on his door at eleven o'clock at night on his honeymoon <laughs> night for Luther. Let's give us a place to stay. I wonder, Hunty, if you would have let me in on your honeymoon night. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Believe me, I wouldn't have wanted to come in, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so so how does it all end up for Karlstad? Well, Karlstad really became closer to the reform movement of the Swiss reformers. Mm. Uh, Luther still hung on to a bit of consens, uh, transubstantiation, yeah. whereas Karlstadt is it's only the symbol of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, and he was a bit truer to the Bible than Luther was, and so he went to work toward the end of his life at Basel. Mm. And in Basel, there, he actually got the plague which would come through Europe at that time, and he died of the plague in 1541. Okay, a hero. Yes, he was. A mighty man of God. One of those guys when we get to heaven through faith, through the grace, through the righteousness of Christ that Karlstad preached so eloquently. Well, he didn't preach it eloquently. He wrote about it eloquently in his life, depicted it eloquently. He's one of these guys when you get to heaven, you'd love to sit down on the park bench and talk to him. In fact, he was probably one of the greatest underestimated reformers that brought the message of the Scripture to the world. Now, two things here. I'm going to ask you what, as we finish this interview, what can we learn today from Karlstad's life? But can I just tell you the one thing I learned? Right. It doesn't matter what gifts God's given you. If you give your heart to him, he'll use you powerfully and you'll shake the world. Sure. Now, what, what was your lesson? I hope I didn't steal it. Not at all. But he took his thought from the scripture. If God says it, that's enough, and I will follow it. And he stood for it even with his life. Fabulous story, Harold. Love this man, um, Karlstad, one of the great heroes. Look, can we do Martin Luther next week? We'll work on that. Okay. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. Love you, mate. Bye then. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Okay, Hunty, good story, that one. Excellent. Really good story. This next song's a good one too. It is. I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Yep. number of groups sing this one, but who's singing it this time, Hunty? This is the... Um, oh. Because I can't. The Homeland Singers. <laughs> the reason we're getting stuck there is because Hunty's print uh, computer wasn't displaying it. Fantastic. It's mate. a great song, though. <laughs> it is. Let's listen to it.
feeling is fine I could say thank the Lord I wouldn't take nothing for my journey For the Lord many years ago I've had a lot of heartache Met a lot of grief and woe And when I was stumbled And I went humble down And there I would say I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now Maybe I'm aging myself to our no, audience. It's a toe tapping ripper, that one. It is. It's a fantastic <laughs> song. Hey, quick story. Yes. Because I've kind of sucked up a bit of time with these other guys because I, I really wanted to hear from them. Yeah, me too. You know, we talk about Martin Luther, Carlstead, and Eck. Yep. Carlstead's into the Sabbath big time. Yep. Luther resisted it. And I reckon right now in this story, and, and, and Harold kind of alluded to it, you have one of the greatest misses in Protestant history. So this is what happens. Eck, Karlstad and Luther meet at the Leipzig de- debate. Now, that wasn't just a one-off debate. went over a few years. And the first time they meet, Luther, who is really eloquent and powerful, just flattens, destroys the Catholic, the Roman Catholic um, bishop, uh, the guy who was advancing their cause, theologically destroyed him with the Bible. It was, I mean... All of Europe turns up to this. This is the big show in town. Yep. It's not the NBA finals or the Major League Baseball or, or the All Blacks thrashing the Aussies and the Wallabies, which that happens too much, actually. Sadly. It's Eck versus Luther because yep. Carlstead was put to the side. So Luther just, in this first debate, he just smashes him. It is incredible to see. And all the princes, and it's incredibly dangerous for the Catholic Church, all the princes are going, wow, this is fabulous. And they all went to Luther's side. So Catholicism facing a major challenge. So Eck goes away. And he's one of the very brightest the church ever had. Really, really bright, intelligent, and not a half-decent fellow. Mm. He goes away and studies, and he comes up with an answer. And so he challenges Luther again. So they come together. This is like the heavyweight title fight, you know, (laughs) of the world. So they come in again, and Eck gets up. Because Martin Luther had been going on and on about this. And he says, Martin, you believe in the Bible and the Bible only? Martin Luther goes, yeah, I'm a Bible and Bible only man. Uh, You know, and and, and he stands on this. I mean, this is where he's getting his victory from. Because what he's saying, the Bible says, and X says, if you believe in the Bible and the Bible only, 
why aren't you a seventh-day Sabbath keeper? I love it. <laughs> and here's a tragedy. What happened? Martin Luther lost the debate. The wow. Church of Rome was this close wow. to coming to Protestantism. Now, our viewers can't see. No. <laughs> One millimetre. Very close. Very, very close yeah. to coming over to the Protestant doctrine. And if Martin Luther mm. had just humbled himself as Karlstad had yep. and seen the Sabbath, I mean, it's there. You, you, we've done Bible studies on this program about the Sabbath. Genesis, yep. Exodus. Uh, you can go through to Luke. There's you can go through to Matthew. It. It's just everywhere. Isaiah 66 talking about the Sabbath in heaven. If Martin Luther yeah. had just accepted the Sabbath, he would have won the second debate and the entire history of Christianity might have been different. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunty, this is your song. This is your group. Oh, I love You've this worked song. with them. You oh, know I love them. It. You love them. You introduce yes, it. Yes, it's by my favourite group, the Heritage Singers. And this song is entitled, Can You Reach My Friend? But I could tell things weren't going as well as he claimed He tried to hide his feelings But they only gave him away The longer I listened, the more I kept wishing I knew the right words to say
Hey, Hunty. Yeah. Is there a better thing you can do than pray for a friend? No, it's true. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I reckon that one of the most powerful things Christians can do is to pray for a friend who's battling or struggling. Absolutely. And I'm talking spiritually. Yes. Uh, and if you're a husband or a wife and you've got a spouse who doesn't follow the Lord, you don't have a closer friend. Pray. Mm. You just don't know the power. A beautiful song, mate. Absolutely beautiful. I noticed the Heritage Singers, the leader of the Heritage Singers, Max Mace, who you would know. Yep. I think he's my dad's age, so about 83. Yep. He just died recently of cancer. Yeah, such a tragedy. He was just so close to making a 50th anniversary no, of he the made Heritage it. Singers. He made it. Oh. He made it. I saw the 50th oh. anniversary concert. If that concert means he made it, he made it. Praise the Lord. Amen. But he died not long after that. Um, that felt good then. I corrected Hunty. Oh, that felt fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the viewers could see <laughs> what happens. Listeners. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, the listeners could see what happens. Praise in, the Lord that the if listeners they were view, not viewers. <laughs> if they were viewers, they could see. I guess I've got a great head for radio. Hey, our Bible study. It's a two-parter, maybe a three-parter. Oh, wow. We're going to talk about baptism. There are two types of baptism, baptism by water and baptism by the Holy Spirit. Yep. Both are related and both are very important if you want to see the kingdom of God. That's right. Now, we're not into righteousness by works, but make no mistake, is we look at this, you'll see why it's important. I remember when I was baptized. Do you remember when you were baptized? Certainly do. How old were you? I was in my late teens. Okay, I was 10. Wow. How old were you? Yeah, I was 16. 16. Yeah. Who baptised you? Uh, the youth pastor at Runga Church, Jeff Kane. Okay, he's still around? Or? Yep. Yeah, well, okay. I haven't seen him for years, but I believe he is. You did Bible studies? and Yes, did Bible studies. With, actually, I did Bible studies with quite a few people, actually. Were you baptised, what, at Wurunga? I was baptised at Wurunga, yeah. And when you got baptised, how were you baptised? What happened? I was baptised the uh, traditional Christian way where you get baptised by full immersion I don't know what I'd call that traditional, actually. Most of the churches traditionally sprinkle now. That's only babies. the one church, isn't it? No, 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 no many. Oh. Many. In fact, more than you would like to think. So you were baptised. When you were baptised, you went under the water. Totally. Mm. Huh. Okay. Well, I was baptised when I was 10. Same thing. Baptised by my dad. Nice. It's the second person my dad ever baptised. Oh, my grandmother wow. got baptised when she was eight. Here's the difference between my grandmother and me. She never left the Lord. She died, man, just before she was turned 101. Wow. So she, she lived a long, long life with Jesus Christ. Amen. And she was faithful, and it was a, she was a pastor's wife. It was a good life. Let's have a look at this uh, subject, baptism. John chapter 3, verse 5. I want just right at the beginning to establish, these are the words of Jesus, how important baptism is. Okay. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God Without being born of water and the Spirit. So born of water, what's that? That's baptism by immersion. And the Spirit, born of the Spirit? That's uh, accepting the Holy Spirit into your heart. That's baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got your two baptisms right there, and Jesus says, hey, if you want to be in heaven, you've got to be baptised by both. Yep. Now this is an interesting one, this next scripture, and I wanted to read this before I got into what baptism actually is and why we get baptised. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, because in the churches of Christendom, there are just a, a million, you know, hunty, we were in Israel. 
No, we were in Jordan. You remember? We went down to the Jordan River. I do. And we saw people being baptised. How many different types of baptism was there down oh, there? We watched. We saw all types, yes. I reckon there would have been t- at least five, six or more different types of baptism. Some people were being sprinkled. Yep. Some people had a cup of water tipped over their heads. Yes. Others were going down by immersion. Yes. Do you remember this? I remember one person baptising themselves. That's right. I, I remember that. Yep. How beautiful was that? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's not the way to go. No, but... They made it all the way to the Jordan River and baptised themselves. Well, they probably should have done a Bible study (laughs) before they got there. We baptised. I baptised a girl on the Jordan River. That was very special. I kind of mentioned on this radio program before, you know. I actually put that footage into last night's program. Uh, Okay, that was the short, short Mm. on the resurrection. Oops, maybe the one before. Yeah. But I recently put it on. Okay, re- um, recently. Footage of us in Jordan, you baptising. Computer's overloaded. Clicking around there. <laughs> okay, so you've got all these different ways the church, the Christian church baptises people, but what does the Bible say? Ephesians 4, mm. 5 and 6, Hunty. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. How many baptisms there? One. Baptism. One. Now, because baptism is so important, I think we better find out the mechanics of it and why the actual mechanics, in other words, how you are baptised, is so important because it illustrates what baptism depicts. Does that make sense, Hunter? Yep. It is really, really important. And if you've never been baptised... We talk about the Holy Spirit today coming and talking to your heart, yes. leading you, guiding you, showing the way. And the whole, and, and, and you've, and in fact, let me ask this question of you, Hunty. What is the prerequisite to baptism? All you have to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Saviour. Let him into your life, let him into your heart, and ask him to be your Saviour, and that's it. It's a very good answer. I always give this answer when people say to me, well, what, what, how do I know I'm ready to be baptised? Well, when, when, when Jesus tells you. You know, in all the years I've been doing Bible studies, I've never asked somebody to get baptised. I share with them this Bible study, but they yep. come to me and tell me when the Holy Spirit convicts them, hey, now's the time. Yep. But here's my answer, and it's very similar to yours. You can get baptised when you can say, Jesus, I want to follow you all the way for the rest of my life. That's right. It's as simple as that. Yep. I will follow you, Jesus. I want to be faithful. I want to be loyal. I love you. I will follow you with all my heart all the way for the rest of my life. I'll do anything you want. I'm yours. Mm. You're ready for baptism. Yep. That's the test. Will you follow Jesus all the way for the rest of your life? Simple. Yep. Real simple. Yep. So this one baptism, what is it? Well, I, I, I reckon the best way to go look at the mechanics of what happens when you're baptized, baptized is Matthew. Uh, well, no. Let's go to Matthew 28, 19, 20 first, and this is what God tells the church, and then we'll look at the mechanics. Okay. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Sure. Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy That'll Spirit. That'll do, Hunty. So, so all that's happening there is Jesus is telling his church, he's telling you and me, hey, go out, tell people about me and baptize. Tell the whole world. Yep. Matthew 24, 14 says, um, when we tell the whole world, then the end will come. That's it. That's why we do this program, isn't Amen. it? Amen. One of the reasons. Okay, let's look at the mechanics of how you baptise. And we, we went to where Jesus was baptised. Remember this, Hunty? We did, in the River Jordan. It's on the Jordan side. But yes. the Jordan River no longer goes through where Jesus was baptised. It's, it's pretty close. That's about 100 metres away. It's oh. actually changed direction. And it's, it was just a big, 
hole. You remember? Yes, big mud hole. Yeah, no, no mm. water in it. It, it kind of gets water in when it floods. Yes. But this is where Jesus came down at the beginning of his ministry. He's about 30 years of age, down on the Jordan River in the desert, and he sees John the Baptist, his cousin, baptizing, and he asks John to baptize him. This is what happens, Matthew 3, verse 11. Okay, I baptize... This is John the Baptist, by the way, talking. Yes. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. This is Jesus. So much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit Love and with it. fire. So you got baptism of the water and ha- baptism of the Holy Spirit tied together there, hunty. Mm. Go on, mate. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Wouldn't you, hunty? I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? You get that? Absolutely. Yeah. I would be the same. But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize okay, him. Okay, so you got the you got the scene here, haven't yep. you? Yep. I, I can still I can see, see that. It. Yeah. yeah, it's great when you've been to Israel and you can <sighs> see it in your memory, isn't it? Yeah. So John, John, John doesn't want to baptize him. Jesus said, but you need to baptize me. Yep. So this is how he does it, and this is important because we are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, auntie. Go for it. Okay, and verse 16. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the okay. water. If you go back to the original language, he comes up. If you're going to come up out of the water, what do you have you to do? You must have been under the water. You have to go down into right. the water. Yep. So he goes down into the water, and then he comes up out of the water. Does that make sense? Absolutely. He's baptised by? Total immersion. Immersion. Now, Hunter, you've done a lot more travel than I have, but when you go to the places where a lot of the early Christian churches are to this day, the ruins, mm. they all have? All have baptistries. Baptismal fonts. Correct. And those baptismal fonts are designed to baptise people by? Full immersion underwater. Yeah, and we're going to find out why in just a minute why yeah. that is. Keep going, Hunty. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. This is baptism of water and baptism mm-hmm. of what? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit. Together. We're going to look at that more next week. Go on. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son, who brings me great joy. Love it. Love it. God puts his, God the Father puts his stamp on what's just happened. Now, why is it important? This is the key to what I'm trying to tell you today. Why is baptism by immersion important? Why are the mechanics important? Colossians 2, hunty, last text, Colossians 2, verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Jesus dies and is buried. Yep. Hunty, you are buried. Buried to what? Buried to your sins. Buried to your sins? Buried to your? Old self. Ah, you get it? Yeah, so Christ it. went into the tomb. You go under the water. It's symbolic that you have given away. Oh, I love it, man. This is powerful. You have given away mm. your old life. Your old life. You're about to be resurrected as you come up out of the water, a brand new man. It's so powerful. Mm. And Jesus wants you to be baptized by myrrh. You know, if, if you sprinkle someone, you're, you're not, the same power of the symbolic is not there. Correct. Okay, so start from verse 12 again. Okay. For you were, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead. You were living a life in sin and darkness. You died to that as you went under the water because it's all symbolic. 
and you come up to a brand new life. Yep. That's baptism, hunty. Yep. You know what you're actually doing? You're saying, God, I'm your man. I'm your woman. I want the whole world to see it. And my place now is with you.
baptism's about, hunty. Mm. My place is with you, Jesus. Yep. I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. I've been in the darkness too long. I know the hurt and the pain of being apart from you, not having you to help me through the rough parts of the life. It's awful. And people come to the point where they say, Jesus, I want to walk with you. And that's what baptism is all about. Now, Hunty, mm. we do provide more Bible studies on this subject and a whole lot more. Yeah, we'd love to help you get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to encourage you to do this. It's pretty neutral. In other words, mm. we're not, I'm not going to chase you up. I'm not going to ring you or anything like mm. that. But, Hunty, if somebody wanted to know more, yes. what do they do? If you want to dig a little deeper on this Bible study, just send us an email info at aussiepastor.com and in the subject field put offer 301 because we have a, a bible study series prepared exactly and just for you so email us the address is info at aussiepastor.com and in the subject line one word offer 301 so it's only email that's right only email yeah don't don't Text us like you normally if do. If you do text us, we'll pull it out and we'll sort it out. But oh, this, okay. is, this is best if you just email us. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you joined us today. Good program today, Hunty. Great program. Yeah, and good we're going to try and bring um, we're going to try and bring Dennis back next week. That'd be good with more stories. We're going to talk about Martin Luther next week. Yep. I love that. It's going to yeah, be yeah. that's going to be it's a gonna beauty. Be yep. Have some good music. Uh, great Bible studies. We're going to follow on on the two baptisms. Uh, and I think you're going to be blessed. So watch out for us, Hunty and Grolly, the Aussie pastor, uh, here on Faith FM next week. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. Hang on. Are you going to pray? Yeah, better, eh? Yeah, I reckon. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Bless our listeners with a special experience with you. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. My name is Hunty. I'm the Aussie pastor. <laughs> I'm the Aussie pastor. <laughs> we get that. Yeah, we we get better that. do some practice we on that. We practice that, yeah. <laughs> We love you. But Jesus? He loves you so much more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 